0: Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly, as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex, depending on what country you're in. With me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, accredited advanced gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist, and I've spent... About 35 years now, working with people to help them create and maintain incredible relationships with sizzling sex and without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time, and today it is the letter V, and V is for variety. So we're going to talk about a bunch of interesting things. And joining me on the show today is the incredible Lisa Ann. The real, the only, the one and only Lisa Ann. Um, I was on her show, The Lisa Ann Experience, recently, and we had such a good conversation. I really wanted to keep it going. So she's agreed to come and talk to me. Welcome
1: to the show, Lisa. Oh, Dr. Laurie, it is so awesome to see you again. When you've reached out, I definitely wanted to come on. For those of you who don't know... Uh, I am Lisa Ann. I was in the adult film industry for about 30 years. I've been a sex worker since I can remember. Um, My life has taken me through the world and a great understanding of my own sexual freedoms, preferences, and choices. And I sit here today as an author of two books. I host sports radio. I'm a fantasy football fanatic. Uh, And I do a ton of work on my social media. All platforms are the same at The Real Lisa Ann as my way to really just stay connected with my community as I've met people through the years that we've kind of grown up together. They may have come to a club to see me dance. They were 22. I was 22. And now I'm on their Facebook and they have a family. And so I've watched many lives twist and turn all through the incredible way to meet three people, the neutralizer of sex work. Fabulous. So variety
0: is an apt topic because sex work is such a loaded term and it can mean so many different things. So I kind of wanted to start there. I know you do some educational work with people and to talk a bit about sort of your understanding about the good, the bad and the ugly of porn and sex work.
1: Well, first of all, I'd also like to say like variety is the spice of life uh, has been a saying of mine since I was a young woman. So it, it, it's, it, it is true. Variety is the spice of life. And I, I knew that because we had pork chops every Tuesday, pizza every Friday, pasta Sunday and leftover Monday. There was no variety in my growing up life. And I started to really hunt and search for it. There's tons of pros and cons. The balance, you know, it, it actually took me years to say the word sex work, because when I got in the industry, it wasn't a saying, right? You were a porn star or you were a magazine model, or you were a dancer, you were an exotic dancer. We didn't even use stripper yet. True. And when sex work came about, people started saying this to me. I was like, oh, it sounds like I'm in a sweatshop and I'm just doing piecework. Like, you know, it just sounded so sterile. But now I understand why it's such an important term, because it sits under an umbrella of so many different points, right? You could be considered a sex worker if you're an exotic dancer. You could be considered a sex worker if you're a cam girl, if you're a porn star, if you're a full service escort. If you're, you know, we have no boundaries with this term, but we do know is there's an exchange of income in exchange for these types of services that are very different than say being a nurse, a teacher or what have you. And when I got into the industry through a, a lovely journey and study of my own, I started dancing when I was 16 with fake ID I was on my own. I wanted to have a high school education. I didn't want a GED. I had this weird thing two things as a young woman getting pregnant, unplanned, and getting a GED. They were like to me, gonna end my life, right? So (laughs) as I turned 18, I went to a club that had porn stars, magazine models, Playboy Playmates that would come in every week. So for 52 weeks a year, Al's Diamond Cabaret had these women coming in and doing their shows. And it was so fabulous to me because I had already been very comfortable working at a strip club. I liked the environment. Uh, I liked what I was doing. I liked the money that I was making and the freedom that it gave me. I liked the safety that I felt because of the money that I was making. Um, I loved listening to music all the time. I loved hanging out with the girls, you know, but The way I visualize these feature dancers and the fact that they got to travel around the world and, and you're also a limited time offer. So you don't have to build these like really close knit relationships with Mm -mm. customers. That was something I learned about myself young. And I just put myself under a study this July that I'll share with you that reconfirmed that I'm still the same. I'm a entertainer of the masses one-on-one. I feel a little bit of pressure because I'm not a great salesperson when it comes to selling something I don't truly believe in. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to carry on a fake relationship with somebody to make money. I just want them to enjoy me. You know, you like my boobs. Great. Give me a dollar. Great. I'm a walk away. And so for two years, I interviewed these women. And whether they were magazine models, whether they were adult film stars, and I asked them all of the questions from the money aspect of it. I I knew quickly that the film stars made more money. I asked them about how to get on the box cover, because I knew that if you had the box cover, you were going to be on a poster, which is going to be something the club would have. And like, I studied this, this for two years. And during that time, I had to hire photographers. I had a photo shot developed, mailed to California Mm -hmm. to the addresses that were given to me from these lovely women, some who I'm still in touch with. I met Christy Canyon when I was 18 years old, and we're still friends. And it's like, she's watched my whole life unfold. And I found myself in this space of feeling like a sisterhood, right? We're all Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. We all are a little bit of like the misfit toys. You know, we didn't really fit in where we grew up. Maybe we had some dysfunction in our family. But in this unit, before it was called sex work, in this world of erotica, uh, I, I felt this beauty from the inside and I felt like I could really be myself. And that allowed me to discover myself sexually. And I remember when I went to California, I knew what scenes I was and wasn't going to do. And I knew what things I wanted to wait for. And the things that I waited for were things that I hadn't yet experienced in my personal life. Uh-huh. And I wanted to have anal sex in my life first, I do not want to do it before doing it on film. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to know what it felt like, you know, before there was a camera on me. And I also wanted to know, maybe I'll go my whole life and never want to do this. Like I have to need to know. And, you know, the business helped me feel more confident in my personal sex life. So I was able to start to really generate this next level. And when I look at the cons, now look, when I started, there was no internet. So we had no idea that this was going to be around forever and that every day a new viewer was going to see you and not know. That's the
0: thing. You know, I mean, when I'm listening to you talk, one of the things that I think people don't hear, which is, I love the way you've said it, is not only was the there is there a wide variety of aspects to this and things that you can take part in or not take part in, but that there was... A camaraderie that there was an environment that there is not just was, but for you and your life back then and now, where where we're always fed the line that everyone who is involved in this is being exploited in some way. And I've you know spoken with so many sex workers over the years, and I you know I know sex workers. I've referred people to sex workers. I have friends who are sex workers. And I know many, many people who were not coerced. Not at all. These were choices that they were making. They were choices that they valued. They stayed sometimes a little bit longer than they wanted to, but who doesn't stay sometimes in a job a little bit longer than you want to, because that transition usually means a drop in income.
1: Oh, 99.9% of your income you're walking away from. There's no way you're going to come. Whenever
0: you do that, whenever you move from one thing to another, there's going to be that drop. Um, And so some people stayed longer than they really wanted to, but it wasn't about the thing that I had been fed, which was, you know, this is all trafficking. This is all coercion. There is nothing positive about this. So listening to you talk, the joy with which you talk about your career and your life belies that sort of vision.
1: And, you know, right. I turn down anywhere from 50 to 100 interviews a year And some of them might be documentaries, you know, series of things and things. And I turn them down because if they cannot be honest with me that they are going to be objective, normally the, the beef of the story, the 90% of the story is just going to be the horror, the worst case scenario. And I understand it. If, if someone came into the industry and had a bad experience and they want to share it, that's great. I understand that it's cathartic to you. But it's also what the media wants to share. And it's Mm -hmm. what the media thinks sells. And so even when I did my episode of Life After Porn, I felt like they really cut my portion really short compared to everybody else's. And I was first. I had a positive story I got into sports radio when I was still in the business and they accepted me at Sirius XM and nobody treated me differently if I did the work, I got more work and it was that simple and so the media really wants to spin this because they think that's what sells it, but when you meet people after they've been watching content for years and now with the the rise of OnlyFans. I truly believe a lot of the rise in OnlyFans is because the people that are buyers, the customer, the member, he or she knows that this is by choice because this person has created their own OnlyFans. And I know the photos they put up, they like because it's their page and they're shooting this content on their phone and they are in control. And so it's showing the world, but Every OnlyFans story that comes out, it's only how much money these people are making. It's not saying, hey, this has not only put the power back in the hands of the performers, but this has allowed the consumer to know that this is a choice.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so important. But I want to, I do want to return to what you were saying, which is when we start the cons, which is you didn't know back in the day, none of us knew, that everything you did was going to be around perpetually and spread to the world over and over and over again.
1: Um, We all used our real names because we thought once these VHS tapes like wore out, nobody was going to replicate them. You know, there's just brick and mortar stores where you go and you get a brown bag and the internet was an overnight game changer. You know, before the internet, I was still kind of living a double life. I lived in Huntington beach. I would go up to LA three to four days a month to shoot my one movie. I would go on the road and feature dance. I already knew I danced, but you know, there wasn't this, I wasn't in everybody's face. I wasn't the target and it was an overnight change. And also it's constant. It's, it's not, you know, ever going to go away so you have to really be able to wrap your head around that for talent today they're getting in they know about the internet we did not know and I remember the impact on some people that maybe had families that didn't know what they were doing for a living all of it was just like okay here we go the game has changed and they're going to use all this stuff we already got paid for on these sites and you know and we're we not don't get paid pay- again yes yes I remember I thought right away
0: Yeah. You know, so they're, they're making money off of all this stuff and we're not seeing any of that because none of your contracts would have included things like that because nobody envisioned that, that that's what would happen.
1: So yeah. I also remember that when I got in the industry different than now, because so many more scenes need to be shot now than back then we shot one movie a month. If you were a contract girl, my goal was to get to California and get a contract, not shoot a scene until I had a contract. And you know, when you did that, you were able to have a lot more choice. And I can, I'll never forget sitting in the car with Freddie Lincoln. He was a director that I loved working with. And I would stay up at him and his wife's house in the Valley. And he tried me to set. We always had like these interesting conversations. Like Freddie was like the, you know, 30 years or 40 years older than me, this voice of wisdom. And I said to him, you know, would I ever have to work with so-and-so? And he said, you would never have to do anything you don't want to do in this business. We need you. The industry needs young, beautiful, vibrant women like yourself. You have all the control. So, and, I, and it's so different now. I, I couldn't imagine somebody having that conversation with somebody today. So how is it different? It's different now because it's a more agent-run business. Before, we would all just network amongst each other. There was a small group, and so and so would say, "Hey, I'd like to pull this woman in my movie to do this scene. I like this person, you know." And and we all network for each other. We would even go out on the road and tell a club owner, "Oh, you should have these three. You know, they're amazing." Da 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 And give we we share eight by tens. We'd all carry a folder with each other's eight by tens. And now because the agents have turned it a little bit more into a grinding business. They seem to control the talent more than in the past. Now, smart performers will go without an agent, but the agents send sometimes blackball that companies to use said performer. Like I have an agent who still to this day hates me and I can't host or do events at any of the clubs that he sends talent to. And when they try to book me, which they always do, hey, we'd like you to do a football thing, come to our club. I say, it's not going to happen because you're going to be threatened. And they'll call me back and they'll be like, yeah, he told us that we can't have any of his talent ever again. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to let him win. And none of this is really legal, but I just pick my battles. So the performers now get brought in and they kind of work a five day a week work week on set. And when they're new, the first 90 days, everybody wants to shoot the new girl. And nobody's telling the new girl like, hey, shoot two days a week and then take a day off and get a massage and then get your nails done and have a day for your your mental health. You know, it's all about let's make as much money off of this girl before she either gets a boyfriend, tries to quit or leaves the industry. And so it's definitely a vicious kind of turn, turn, turn. And I'm happy to have a podcast where I get to interview a lot of the newer Performers, because I always give them time afterwards and stay connected with them and really want to empower them with, hey, it's really important. It's great to be making a lot of money, but what's the point if you're not happy or healthy? And your body can only do that without risk so many days in a row. Give your body time to heal, feel really good, be excited when you get to set, you know? So it's changed because the element of money has changed. And I think the element of what you need is different. I mean, one movie a month was enough to survive on back then. I wasn't looking to get rich by being in this business. I just wanted to build a nice little name brand, go on the road and feature. I didn't have a lot of expenses, but it's different now. A young girl will want a Mercedes at 18. I didn't have that want. I didn't have a want for designer handbags. I just wanted to live in a nice apartment, be able to pay my rent and go to the beach, you know, like I was much more simple. So I think the elements of the world and the challenges have changed, but the industry itself requires so many more scenes to keep these sites going. Some companies might be putting out 200 scenes a week. So with that said, they just need talent to show up and talent won't be able to say they don't want to work with someone with the agent standards until they've had a bad experience. And I think that's not fair because if your friend comes to you and says, Hey, I know your style and you're not going to like this guy. Or maybe he's a little rough for you or what have you, you should be able to say, I want to put this guy on my no list, but the agents now tell the talent until you have a bad experience with that person, you're not allowed to put them on your no list.
0: Yeah, that I have problems with that because what, what that is around consent, right? I mean, this isn't, you know, it's not, I don't want to work with this person, um, but they're sitting and
1: also, if you're not attracted to somebody, I, I was an agent for four years, I would tell my talent, who are your five favorite? And then your five backup favorites, like just to have 10 people on your list. That's all you ever have to work with. If these companies want to book you, they'll book it with that guy. And they would go, well, I don't really know what to go on. I go, well, go with an actual intimate sexual experience. Let's look at some photos on some websites. Who are you attracted to? Look at this like a dating site right now and say, I am going to be able to have consensual sex with any of these people people, male, female, non-binary, whatever, and choose. And their eyes lit up. And I was like, this is what it should feel like because this is what it felt like for me. I couldn't wait to work with some of these guys. I had a list from magazines that I was like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I wanted them to feel that excitement, that lust.
0: Well, I I mean, I think, you know, I, I think certainly when you see content where you know the person's really enjoyed themselves, the content's much more compelling. It, it's, there's an obvious difference. I can pick out who's enjoying themselves and who is just doing a job. And it's a huge difference. Between That's
1: people. why I was popular. People ask me all the time, like, "What what was your thing? How were you popular for so many years?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, I just loved what I did, and I didn't overwork myself. And I chose every performer I worked with. So I would visualize at night. I I remembered what perfume they liked, uh, whether they liked a full bottom or a thong, or I, I knew my male performers, and I wanted to romance them that day to make them know how special they were to me that day.
0: Yeah, that makes it. It makes a big difference. So you've been, do, well, you've been doing education with people around porn and the use of porn.
1: What kind of stuff have you been doing? I got to speak at the Oxford union in 2019. Oh, and it was an awesome experience. Dr. Ruth was a part of it, which was awesome. That's seriously awesome. We've stayed in touch and I sent her my books and she called me. She gave me her phone number on a paper napkin that night. And when I first used it, it was her landline and she picked up herself. I was like, Oh my gosh,
0: this is happening.
1: But now I'm jealous. I'm
0: seriously jealous. Oh,
1: she lives not far from me. She's so lovely. Porn literacy, I think, is really important let's let 's break down the mind of a man first, a young man watching this type of content. The first thing they do is compare themselves that 's normal in every standard of life we compare ourselves, and so it 's important for me to tell these young men, "Hey, so you know there 's a fisheye lens so you know this guy might only be about five six and weigh about one hundred and twenty pounds, so he looks a lot larger, and we need longer dicks in the business so we can shoot it. A talent can open up. A girl has a curvy butt. You need to be able to open up for the camera. But that doesn't mean that the girl needs that in her personal life. And so I want to first explain to them, like when I ended my speech at the Oxford Union, I, I said to that at Broome, I said, I just want you guys to know your penis is fantastic. No matter what size it is, no matter what shape it is, just feel good about your penis. Because that's my first fear for young men. And then also the intensity that they see. I think that the lack of showing intimacy, there are some good companies that put out beautiful movies where there's a little bit of a storyline and there's petting and kissing and disrobing, but a lot of it's gonzo now. Like you walk in guy walks in, his dick is already hard. So unrealistic. I mean, who does that? You know, they're, they're so touching and, And there used to be this art to how a guy would unhook your bra with one hand and drop it off of you. And, oh, it was so different. And so I want them to really know that there's a missing element there. I call us sexual stunt people. Mm -hmm. We are put on set to be thrown onto a hard kitchen counter to do a three-way scene and not break a limb. And that's not realistic. The pace Also, I tell them about looping. You know, there's a lot of times maybe we only have four minutes of a position, but they're going to loop it to make it look like it was six. So educating men to not use it as any way that they look at themselves. Yep. When it comes to women, I want women to understand and and feel comfortable with their own body and know that with the right lighting and in photos being retouched, that it's unrealistic. If you go back to the nineties, you know, we all had hair in different places. We all had a little cellulite. We all looked like women. We all didn't have the same boobs, the same ass, the same lips, the same, because we weren't doing classic surgery like then that then. And so for for women, I want them to look at it and not compare themselves as well. And then also for women, it's more important than ever to engage in a conversation, a consent conversation. And it doesn't have to kill the mood. You can tell somebody what you like. You don't have to start with what you don't like, but you can tell them what you like. But if you have boundaries, like myself, I don't like to be choked. It's just not my thing. And I understand it's very popular in content today. It's all, it's incredibly dangerous. It is. I'm waiting it for is. the
0: yes. I, I say Wait, that. Oh.
1: You know. I read about, oh, I'm, I'm doing a study on it right now. We have them here in the U S regularly and they're all accidental. Yeah. It's like an 18 and 19 year old boy and a girl and they're in the back yeah. of a car and, a, and it's accidental. Yeah. So I would, I it would is. tell my male performers, like, look, I'm a willing participant. There is no reason to choke me or hold me down. I'm not going anywhere. Well, But
0: even, even for the fun part of it, right. It's um I, you know, I did, a, I did a talk on this recently and I was like, so there isn't, what you have to understand is there's no safe way to do this. No. Let's say that again, there is no safe way to do this. Even if you enjoy that for the, for the dominance and for the sensation, for the lightheadedness, all of that. Fine. I get it. I'm not telling you not to enjoy that. What I'm telling you is there's no safe way to do this. Now you can risk assess appropriately, mm-hmm. right? There on are things very early- cheated.
1: It's instead, it's very cheated. It can look like they're really holding a neck, but they're They're not. not. And that's even worse. That was the point.
0: It's like, there are ways to fake this. But if you want the feeling, the 100% feeling, know that you're putting your life in someone's hands literally every time you do it. So there are other things that you can do and check out the other things you can do. But I think it's so important because the trend, a lot of which has come from porn, you know, with the belt around the neck and the, and you know, hands choking, that's a huge trend. And really young people are watching this and going, oh yeah, this is hot, this is hot. And there's just no safe way to do it. In the films, as you say, it's cheated. There's no, it's the way it's shot. The person isn't actually choking.
1: And I'm working on a project right now. The Sizzle Reel interviewed a bunch of young men and women and all the women had been surprised, choked, what they called surprised, choked, or surprised, smacked. So either it was a, cr- a crack across their face or they were choked. And so what that says to me is, okay, these surprises are happening. I'm not going to say these are bad young men that they're having these, they're just doing what they saw. So even more important to have this kind of consent conversation. So in porn literacy, I want them to understand that what they see is not really what is happening. And that as sexual stunt people, we are just there to kick things up a notch, but for you not to try this at home without truly understanding it and the practice of consent conversations becoming something that's more neutralized. It's just like, Hey, these are my top three things. I like the most. These are three things I don't like at all. You can make it fun and it can be a conversation, but it shouldn't be ignored because this poor kid can be traumatized. Young guy, 20 years old, smacks a girl, freaks her out. She's traumatized. He's traumatized. Now you've set yourself on a path of fear when it comes to intimacy. What we want to do is is remove that fear, build confidence Absolutely. with each other and build trust. Absolutely. Stealthing is a big thing here in the US too, if you know what that is. Which? Stealthing.
0: Um, I'm going to assume that means you know. So what they're somebody... doing is
1: they're taking a taking condom. They're pu- nope, they're putting oh. a condom on. And then during sex, they're taking off. They're taking it
0: off. it off. Yeah, I heard about that. And
1: it was just labeled. I didn't know um, it
0: was called stealthing it think I it's know. a
1: felony now in california and other states are trying to adopt it um but so there's all different levels of trust that has to be had what a horrible way to have sex to have to be looking down at the condom the whole time like i wouldn't want to do that and it's it's just bad and i think that also comes from porn because people truly believe we're having better sex than them because we're not wearing a condom in a movie i
0: you know i thing is is just- What I say to people about pornography is that what one has to remember is it's entertainment. It's entertainment when you go to the movies to watch a movie. Like you say, you've got stunt people doing the stunts. You've got all sorts of things that are created that aren't real. The movie is the willing suspension of disbelief, right? You know, this is being shot on lot 32. It's not being shot in the middle of nowhere. Half of what you're seeing on the screen is CGI background now, right? It's not, you know, go see Jurassic Park. The dinosaurs are not real, right? But it's the same with porn. And you just have to keep in mind that what you're watching is something that has been created for your entertainment. It's not a teaching tool. It's not a reality tool. It is purely entertainment. And if you watch it that way, you're fine.
1: I agree, and I also think parents need to be aware that if you're giving a kid a phone at 10 years old, he's gonna Google the word boobs, okay? Like this is just not, it's not hard, you know? And have these conversations about performers in the industry, being tested every two weeks, having consent before him, getting paid to do this job, Pull away that curtain. It's okay. We don't mind admitting what we've done to create this content. We don't want you to think that we're just out there fucking freely with random strangers. No, we know these people. They're tested. We checked their tests and their ID. We're getting paid to be here. It was all agreed upon beforehand. So those are things that I think putting that in their mind. You know, I I was at MSG about 10 years ago, and this young group of kids run up to me. And I mean, I'm short, and when kids are this short, I'm freaking out. And they run up to me. They're like, oh my God, Lisa Ann, Lisa Ann. And I looked at them. I'm like, how old are you? They were 11 and 12 years old. And they knew me like the back of their hand. And I was with a guy friend of mine. And I, I gathered the group in front of me and I said, I have to tell you all something. What you've seen on the internet will probably never happen for you. Don't ask a girl. Don't force a girl. And my guy friend was like, how could you kill their dreams like that? And I'm like, well, I was just being somewhat honest. Hopefully they'll take that back to their parents and they'll get a better answer. But I just wanted them to know, like gang bangs are not just happening. You know, these things are not just happening. And so it's been my saying with my friends they are like, you're just killing dreams. I'm like, no, I'm just being honest. And I think what's more valuable is them having good intimacy with a partner,
0: you know, and gang bangs can happen, but you have to have the skills to create that.
1: And everybody has to no. show up on time and everybody's oh, getting and everybody,
0: along. I mean, those <laughs> those skills are about that sure. communication. That's yeah. how that happens, right? If yeah. you learn to talk well, if you learn to create trust and safety with a partner, and that's your dream, that's your fantasy, you can create that. Yeah. But it it's a lot of work. And it it still won't be perfectly orchestrated. Like
1: no. it's never
0: perfectly orchestrated it's never, and it isn't on a porn set either. You know, the number of times stop and fluff happens and, you know, people don't realize that it's never perfectly working. Or one
1: person steps out of the scene and you never notice it because he lost his edge and he needs to take a break or he's going out to have a cigarette. Like there's a lot of things going on that when we're in this little frame, nobody really knows about, but it's just, it's important. And I think it's, it's great to watch adult content, but I think Young people here, I know for a fact, are having less sex than my generation had, but yet they're watching a lot of content. So it's kind of like a shortcut, like, oh, you're getting off, but you're really not getting the full experience because the full experience is the smell of a woman, the touch of her skin, the everything. And it goes both ways. You know, it's important to connect it. human touch is so important.
0: It is, but they don't understand because nobody's educating them about intimacy, So there is
1: pitifully little sex education going on. Oh, 22 states in this country, 22. And you know, there's, it's awful what they're teaching. And out of those 22, so, you know, some of them are abstinence. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And so we don't have,
0: they don't have decent knowledge or understanding of their own anatomy, let alone the other, the other gender, right? They don't, they don't know the opposite sex. They have no understanding of their own anatomy. They don't have understanding of intimacy of what happens emotionally and how that feeds what happens physically. And this is not saying anything negative about casual sex or, you know, hooking up just for the joy of sex and your bodies, but you need this information in order to do that well. And they have none. The number of people who don't, like the number of women who don't know that women are not all built the same.
1: Yeah.
0: Like they've never looked at their own
1: yeah.
0: genitalia and they don't know what other women look like except if they've watched porn. So now they have a completely unrealistic view. Oh. and as you say, there's airbrushing and there's all of this. So they have no idea what their own anatomy looks like. Um, they just don't even have any idea how things work because there is no education and the parents don't wanna give the education either.
1: No, because the parents are afraid to admit that this is possibly circulating in there. They want to keep their kid a certain age. They don't want to talk to him about drugs. Look, our fentanyl deaths among young, young people, younger than 18 years old, 13 to 18. It's so unbelievable. They're buying them on social media. They're just trying this pill because their friends are doing it and they're passing. Like, that's another conversation. You know, you want to be talking about sex to not talk. Look, look, if it wasn't for Planned Parenthood, my school nurse, I went to my school nurse when I was 13 years old and I said to her, listen, all of my friends are having sex. I don't really want to, but I have a boyfriend and I know that everybody's doing it, but I don't want to get pregnant. And our Planned Parenthood was across the street and she had no fear. She couldn't do this now. Nurse could. She said, go to Planned Parenthood. I got my entire sexual education there. Enough fear to make me understand what an STD would look like. I went on the pill, I went back and told my boyfriend we could not have sex for the first 90 days of me being on the pill, because that is when it will be accurate. Like I followed every rule. You could walk in there and grab a handful of condoms at any time, get an STD test at any time. And I'm so thankful because my parents never once had any sort of, my mom told me once, don't let people touch you where your bathing suit goes. That was my conversation. That was your sex education, wow. I mean, but okay. what
0: kills me is it's not better now. That's what frightens me. Like I look, I mean, you know, I, I came up in the seventies and our sex education, I, what I remember at school was, you know, um, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant or you'll get diseases. <laughs> that, that's what I remember. My father was a medical doctor. So my mother chose to leave the educating to him. I was mortified. I didn't want sex education for my father. No. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I had, um, accurate anatomical knowledge. That's all I okay. had. Okay. and Nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. I am, uh, it is luck that I managed to figure out birth control and things like that. Um, so I thought it would be better now, but
1: it's, it's not, not. It's the one thing it's, we keep in denial and we're in a need for it to be better and balanced out because the aggressiveness of the content that is being put out there and also the confusing content. You know, yeah. As I was getting ready to end my career, one of the things I despised, I did not like this stepmom stuff, right? Because I have a lot of friends that are stepmoms and they're like, Oh, they're why, saying they're it. Yeah. why would a boy want to have sex with the same woman his dad does like it, it just, we just, it was in our head and, it, and it's normalized it to the point where it's super creepy. And when young guys come up to me and they're like, Oh, I wish you were a stepmom," I go, I would just put you to work. You'd cut the grass, run my errands. And I treat you like shit. You really, I would not have sex with you. Like I've just, but we blurred lines and we've taken it to a level of, of almost inappropriate, which is unnecessary. We don't need to go there. We could just make such sex beautiful. And I remember not wanting to do them. And when a director would kind of go back and forth with me about it, I would say to him, listen, I deal with enough being a well-known porn star. If I want to, for my own mental health and my choice, not play a role that makes me feel uncomfortable, why do I have to be made fun of? Why do I have to be a kitschy little hashtag? Because this is what's trending right now. Like if people aren't going to watch my stuff, they're not going to watch my stuff, but I don't want this guy. And I did, I did some of them because they wanted you to, and I, I needed to experience to see why I didn't like him. They hire an extra You've never met this person before in your life. He's sitting in the room with you and this performer while you're having sex. He has to comment in or, or be there. And it just made me so uncomfortable. And, and it was something that it's just like, I wasn't feeling sexual with, but it's everything now. And so. These are all things that are speeding up the violence, the spitting. Oh my gosh. My last year in the business, I had to remind every guy, like, I know you're all spitting in girls' faces on set, but remember who you're dealing with here. That's never going to be me. And some men that I enjoyed working with for years, they eventually just kind of fell into the the, the hole of the business of what everybody wanted. And we had to stop working together. And it was always a great conversation, but I was like, like listen you know me, I know you, I know you have to do this for 25 directors a month and here's your twenty-sixth day. And you forget that I don't want to be bruised and I don't want to hurt. And I don't, and so we just can't work together anymore, you know? Um, But that really took a huge presence in me feeling additionally guarded when I would arrive, me having to have additional consent conversations, me having to tell directors not to do things behind my back, like tell the guy to put his finger up my butt without asking me, like that was a thing. Um, And so it became less fun and more stress. And that's when I realized it was time to go. Yeah.
0: And, and I do think it's really quite frightening that there's not, there's that balance isn't there and the education isn't there. And, you know, and (laughs) <laughs> and then there's amateur content as well. And so that gets even more confusing. Mm-hmm.
1: But for anyone out there, you know, especially a parent or a teen, like just understand what you're watching and hold it like it's a stunt movie, an action movie. You're not Rambo. You're not going to go out there and do that. Be at a good pace. I'm, I, I message a bit in my direct messages on OnlyFans because it's a good way to engage, especially helping young men build more confidence and get out there. And I have a lot of conversations about anal sex and a lot of conversations about their first time. And I'm always expressing like everything is about pace. So just because you watch the scene and the guy comes in, he goes right in her butt and he's like hitting her really hard. Don't do that. whatever I you do, you. do not do that. I can't tell you the number of times
0: I've had consultations where a couple have shown up for a consultation. And the problem was that that's what they attempted.
1: And it was too hard, right? Well, and,
0: and, and it just, it was, I mean, I remember one couple saying she she just screamed and shut down and that was it. I remember another guy, she just clenched so hard he couldn't get out. I mean, you know, so it was like, but it was so easy. And I said, but that's not a teaching tool. You know, and I guys start there. This isn't a teaching tool. If you want to learn how to have anal sex, there are actually, I used to do a class on it. Right? You know,
1: Hartley does some good yeah. self-videos. You gotta do the butt. You can also go to your local adult erotica store and have someone walk you through the gradual butt plugs. Yeah, you know? no, that's what and, I'm and,
0: saying. Like I used to do a class on it where it was we called it the Juicy Peach class. Um, and it's still, I think that one a recording of one of those you can still be purchased on my website. And it was all about what do you need to do to make this good, right? And there are so many things you can do to make anal sex absolutely enjoyable and safe. But it's one of those things that you must take time with. You must. It's never a punch and go. It's not, no. it doesn't work well like that. Um, even when you does expanded. sex for
1: most women, vaginal true, sex, true. you know, you need to self lubricate. And I, 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 am you know, in the movies, we just cheat everything by using lube and I never wanted to use lube because it's just so bad pH wise. Like for anal, of course I'm going to use lube, but it's not, it's, it, it, there's a, there's,
0: I would, I would argue that point.
1: Well, there's better lubes now than when we, they used and to just, that?
0: we tell people lose, use lube, use lube, use lube, because when you're young. you you have micro tears and that becomes scar tissue. Now that's not a problem when you're young, wait till you go through menopause.
1: Well, I'm very lucky to this point that uh, I'm one of those extremely naturally lubricated women but it does take some kissing and petting um Definitely. and that it's has like, to happen yeah that has to happen energy. for it to happen so you know on on set when they be like oh we don't have time we'll just get lube and I'm like but it's still not the same because you understand as I'm self-lubricating I'm also opening and expanding
0: well I'm and so also- it's both, right like it's not don't self use lube instead of and don't take the time but it's add lube so that you don't end up with bits of little, little, little tiny little tears, because then after menopause, your elasticity becomes a problem, which is a huge, huge drag, but you've always got to take the time to get somebody into it. Otherwise, not only as you say, you're, you're opening up, you're expanding, your, your muscles you're are relaxing. relaxing, you're warming yeah. all yeah. of that. But
1: also again, the whole point is to see pleasure. To share pleasure, to stop and listen, to breathing, to, I mean, how did I figure out the male performers that I worked with the first couple of years? I listened to their body. I listened to their sounds. I knew what they liked that I was doing and that I knew when something was maybe boring because they just didn't like that thing. You know, I learned how they liked oral. I learned what could get them hard again, whether it was a kiss behind the neck. Uh, We all have trigger points that are discoverable and fun when they're discovered. And I remember them all teaching me as a young woman where mine were touching behind my knee, like, you know, just exploring the body in a way that you'll never see in porn ever because people would consider it boring, but it's not, it's the real deal. Well, because it, but it, it is not as interesting
0: To watch. Right. Right. Wonderful to experience. And that's the other thing that you say to people, like, you know, remember somebody saying about the show, one of one of my colleagues was like, well, we wanted to see a lot more of the therapy session in the show. And I said, look, I understand that. You're a therapist. You wanted to see a lot more of the talk. But the average person watching Open House wants to get to the sex bit, right? That two people sitting talking does not make great television. No, nope. a short bit of two people sitting and talking, and then two people kissing, and then two people doing this, or four people, right? But television and movies need movement and action. Yeah, so no, you're you know the the whole slow build up and all of that doesn't usually sell as well because it's not as much fun to watch to experience. On the other hand loads of
1: fun. Now, when I started and we were shooting on film and we were selling these movies to cable, we weren't allowed to open up to the camera. We didn't shoot penetration. We didn't shoot. There were so many things we didn't shoot. So I can remember the breakdown then was, okay. we're going to need 10 to 12 minutes of kissing and disrobing. And now if you kiss for like a minute on a set, the director's like, yo, we don't have all day. We have three more scenes. we got to shoot in this house today. Like, you know, so I've watched that. I've lived that. And that's probably why I have such an awesome sex life is because I got to live when it was that. And now we don't have the attention span for that. I mean, kids are happy to watch a two minute clip on Twitter. You know, they don't need any of the before and after they just want the quick in between boom, they're out. You know, whereas when I watch, like I watch the porn that I still watch. So I, I love to watch porn with my guy. And I love foreign porn because I don't know anybody, of course. So I watch Mark Dorsell's films. And I love his films because there's always a storyline, beautiful lingerie. Like, you know, I know the formula. I know the anal scene's gonna be last. Like, I know all of it, but I don't care. He leaves some lingerie on, which I really like. There's some stockings, like it appeals to everything that reminds me of the 90s. So have you I I read the reviews and send them to you know a guy and I'm like, you know, this one got four or five stars. We've got to watch it immediately. I mean, I can't wait to see what these flight attendants do. <laughs> so there's also stuff like um, frolic me,
0: which is a site over here, which is a women led site. Okay. And so they, they're usually like 20 minutes. So it's not long stories, but everything has a story.
1: Oh, I would love that. I'll have to, find yeah, one no, one. It's, it's a, it's
0: it's, it's it's a worthwhile site. Um, I've had the privilege of writing, um, one article for them on on the value of porn and um and doing a, and writing a piece of erotica to go with one of their movies, which was great. Oh. Uh, I wrote a story to go with to go with the movie that expanded <sighs> the movie because the movie was one where it was very much focused on these two women together and it was focused on the sensuality and then the sex, but there wasn't much story. So I wrote a story about how they met and how they ended up there and stuff. It was great. It glued fun. Them
1: together. Yeah.
0: Um but um but all of their stuff has it's slower. Even the intense stuff, it's still slower. There's always you always see more foreplay. You always um, you it, there's never like boom boom boom. That's it, right? So there's always a buildup, and there's a middle part, and then it can come sometimes come down and go back up again. It, it's got a different rhythm to the to the typical pornography that you see these days. So it's really great. And I don't know, Erica Lust stuff also is quite cool. Yes.
1: Yes. You know, for in my personal sex life over the past, let's say 20 years, I can tell what content a guy watches the first time I have sex with him. I can, I believe that exactly what he watches. And I also have no problem saying I'll, I'll go through the whole First experience while I'm analyzing it in my mind. And then afterwards, I'll say, you know, I know that you watch this and this is what you've seen, but did you think about it while you were doing it? Or were you just reenacting something? And then they're always like, I didn't really look at it that way. I go, this should be our experience. Like, you shouldn't have to go to an already viewed experience. You should be lost in this moment. You should put your hand up my shirt before you take my shirt off and just feel my breast for the first time and think about it. Like the, and they're always like, you know, and for young men for a long time, I always had interactions with, you know, guys in their young twenties athletes, cause they just have such beautiful bodies uh, and because they're busy and they won't bother me. And some of the greatest sexual experiences I've had is walking through them with a sexual journey of like, okay. Uh, and then they realize, and I hope that I make them better, have made them better lovers for their life because i can be like okay you watch browsers all the time okay you like reality kings don't you you know like it's unbelievable how clear it is within two minutes into sex
0: and that's, that's one of the other things i think people don't realize is that some sometimes porn is for variety right and it's for things that you never are going to want to do but it's a cool turn on to watch and I give the example. I have a number of friends, female friends, who love to watch gay male porn. Right? Mm-hmm. They're never going to reenact it. I do too. This,
1: I right? do too. They love it. They love it. They love right. it. Right.
0: So we're never going to reenact that, right? Because right. We're, it's not, we're not capable of it. Um, but we enjoy watching it because it is variety. It's a variety, and so it's a feast, and it's a different kind of feast. Yes. And that when you do. When you watch pornography, there are different ways of engaging with content. You know, there's the engaging because you want to get off. And that's a quick thing. That's got nothing to do with anything. You're looking for the stimulus to be able to get off. And then there's engaging you can do with a partner where you're exploring together and you're sharing this experience and you're learning something from each other in terms of your own reactions to the experience and, and what you like, what you don't like. And then there's having it as another source and variety. So it's pure pleasure just enjoying it for the, the newness that it brings and the difference that it brings. Rather than as kind of a teaching tool or I want to emulate this. It's got nothing to do
1: with that. And also your, your, your viewing pleasures can change over the years, you know, oh, I'm 50 yeah. now and I enjoy watching it more with somebody else, which is something I didn't think I would ever say when maybe I was in my twenties, you know, I enjoy watching it and, you, you get more dirty talk. You, you're talking about the performers in the scene. What do you like? And you do it while you're having sex, while you're touching, while you're kissing. And then you make up these side scenarios in your mind and you're sharing this, like it is an elevated experience with someone else. That's where I'm at right now. Who knows if this will change in five or 10 years. I just rock with my, whatever, wherever I'm going sexually, I always let myself just go. And that is
0: the whole point. Having that Understanding that when you're open to that, the variety over your lifetime is what's so amazing and so valuable and that we continue to grow and change sexually if we allow ourselves to do that. And a lot of people get stuck in um, ruts. Um, For example, they get so stuck having an orgasm in a certain way that they cannot have it in another way. I'm always like, you want to vary how you have an orgasm. Because you never know if you're always using your right hand, what happens if you break your hand?
1: Oh, no doubt. You want to be an right? in this you situation
0: know, all day for, long.
1: And also you, you want to switch it up. You want to switch
0: it up. You want to learn all of that. You want that variety because it's enjoyable, but also because if something happens, you still want to be able to enjoy sex.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'll say too, like, it's a lot of my growth came really young because of course, working in a strip club, young, I was meeting women and I was starting to have sex with women Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget this. I was dating a high school football player And I was so hot on him and I, and I knew his parents were going away. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring this girl home from the club. We're going to climb in his bedroom window. Cause that was the thing in my small town. You could still climb in people's windows, you know, cause you know, and that's how you'd sneak to see your friends. And so we spent the night and we had sex with him and it was amazing. And the next morning he got up like a good one and made breakfast. And when he came back in the room and saw us making out, he was freaked out. He lost it he told everybody in school, I was a lesbian. He went to this. And I remember that happening and me thinking like, I know I'm just different, but I'm not going to let being scolded over this situation. Now, part of me is dying to find him and bring him on my podcast and ask him looking back. Do you wish you handled that situation? A little bit differently. but I then also was able to put myself in the mindset of like, I'm not living life like a 16, 17 year old. I'm in these clubs. I'm learning stuff. They're just not learning yet. So I cannot judge him for judging me because he doesn't have these tools, but sometimes people watch something. And then when it comes real, they don't really know how to process it. And it's really, that's another point. I mean, yeah. Don't scar people sexually. If they ask you to do something that you're not into find a way to tell them it's not my jam. It's not my thing. yeah, without being like, ew, that's gross. Never say, ew, that's yeah. gross. If somebody comes to you with something sexually, please just don't say, ew, that's gross.
0: Yeah, no, ever. I mean, it's, it's understanding and having the empathy that if you can imagine it, somebody's into it. I always tell people that. I'm like, you have no idea. You have no idea. I can tell you after this many years talking to people about sex and listening to them talk about the things that they love and the things that turn them on, that if you can imagine it, somebody's into it. And the worst thing that you can do is
1: Just shame stunt someone. Them. Yeah, yeah, shame them because it's it. their sexual growth. That's
0: right. So don't shame them. Just let them know you're not into it and disconnect. That's all you need to do. But don't shame them because somebody might want to shame you for one of your interesting little quirks someday. And it right. feels absolutely lousy and creates so many problems. Um, but- Yeah. I guess the message is to really be open because there is more variety out there than you can possibly imagine.
1: Be open to that variety. Mm. Even if it doesn't appeal to you, be understanding and empathetic about it when it's brought to you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So if people want to find you, where do they find you? They need to go and listen to the podcast.
1: Yes. At The Real Lisa Ann are all my platforms. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. So you can find all of my links there. Um, my books are easily found. I have a Beacons AI link. You can click that. Everything's on there from my bookstore to my, to my uh, podcast. You can watch all the podcasts on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann. I worked for years to have the same platform, same name. Because uh, it's not easy. You know, there's always like, oh, somebody got it before I did. Yep. I fought. Okay. I fought. I fought because it's trademarked. So I was able to fight, but makes it really easy for people. My second book, The Life Back, that came out this January, is uh, I'm really proud of it. I became a much better writer after my first book because I became a better reader. And uh it's a story that I think really needs to be told and shared. So the life back is available on my store, shoplisaann.com.
0: Cool. So thank you for coming. Thank you guys for listening. Um, And next week it's the letter W. Should be an interesting one. Have a really safe week. Do remember to leave reviews. The raffle is still going for a free 30 minutes with me if you leave a review. So anybody who leaves a review in the next month could possibly win that free 30 minutes. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex. If you're in North America, if you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was. You listened to it, but especially head over to Apple podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLaurieBethBisby.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at loribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.